Any question? Yes, Vilal Chandra. We have some time in Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's uh, commentary on Srimad Bhagavatam that he points out certain, I guess you call for the better use of the term errors in in some of the verses. In other words, this should be that. And we know that uh, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu forbade uh, Sarvabhuma Bhattacharya from changing one word as he desired. Uh-huh. But over time it would seem that a, a literature like Srimad Bhagavatam would naturally be adapted to the current Sanskrit uh, at the time of presentation by the various commentators and sages. So, what is there anything that's changeable or nothing's changeable, or how should we view that? When Vishwanath says this should have been something else, of course we know he didn't change it, and Lord Chaitanya was so strict, but over time, were not, weren't there changes made in the verses? Mm-hmm. Well, you refer to um, an incident that's described in Chaitanya Charitamrita, in which the king's guru, one of his gurus, Sarvabhuma Bhattacharya, the king of Jagannath Puri, his name was Prataparudra Maharaj, a powerful uh, king um, who ruled over maybe all of Orissa, the capital of which was Jagannath Puri. This is where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was going south in our readings in the morning after taking sannyas. He went to Jagannath Puri. <clears throat> there, as I've mentioned, he converted the whole town and so forth. And uh, and instrumental in that was the conversion of Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya. And, and the measure of his conversion is brought out in in two incidents. <clears throat> it is said that the bhakti should be unencumbered by gyan or karma. What is meant by that is that karma, the, there's a karma marg or the path of karma, and there's two sides to it. One, one is the side of performing activities um, prescribed in the sacred texts for different types of people with a view to acquiring the good karma from doing that. Good karma results in material acquisition, good sons, daughters, go to heavens, or all kind of things like that, and that are temporary. Hmm? So the heavens, if you will, in this um, instance are not an enduring existence, although long. Hmm? Any point being, any material fruit, any material gain that you get by any pursuit is here today and gone tomorrow, however long it may be there, it will be gone forever, <laughs> once it's gone. Hmm. So, it's not a wise pursuit, but it's the preoccupation of most people to acquire a result from their activity. Unfortunately, the results of our activities are sometimes elating and sometimes 
depressing. So we ride on this roller coaster of ups and downs hmm, by fruit chasing, if you will. And it's very uneven life where all we really want to do at once is get our feet on solid ground, so to speak. So that's what yoga is about, hmm, balance. Hmm. And from, when we speak of yoga, we speak of a second way of treading the karma path. That is, by doing the various prescribed duties without attachment to the results. Hmm. Just doing it because it should be done hmm. enables us to come to a point of equilibrium and balance because whether the fruits are good or bad, it doesn't matter. Hmm. So this is the yogic sensibility. So we have the karma marg. Hmm. Um, Sa kama and niskama. Karma is one thing, kama is another thing. Karma is action and kama means desire. Sa means with. So with desire for the fruits or nishkam, without desire for the fruits. This is the difference between a religious orientation in which I have some faith in God and I see God as the provider. And so I perform those actions by which it is said in the sacred text, God will be pleased and I will get things, go places, do things, and so forth. So the center is my human self. And God is kind of the order supplier, if you will, venerable as he is. This is a religious orientation. And most people, if, if at all, have a religious orientation to, to God. And then there's a spiritual orientation, what I call a spiritual experiential orientation. And that involves, again, not chasing the fruits. So giving up desire, knowing that desire is troublesome because it has me chasing after fruits and some are good and some are bad and they're all temporary. In that sense, they all lead to misery because attachment to them results in the frustration of loss of something that I like, I can't keep. So, therefore, wisdom, knowledge, in the real sense of the term, involves not pursuing things that don't endure while in pursuit of enduring happiness which is the pursuit of everyone. Everyone is pursuing enduring happiness, so that whether you admit it or not. Hmm. Everyone is pursuing perfect knowledge. Knowledge informs actions. Hmm. Perfect knowledge would be that, a knowledge which informs action that results in perfect happiness. Hmm. So some people say there is no perfect knowledge. Some people say they, there is and they pursue it. Hmm. But those who say there is no perfect knowledge, they still pursue it nonetheless. Everyone tries to do everything perfect, acquire as much knowledge as they can, as perfect a knowledge as they can. So who's crazy? Those who deny that it exists, pursue it anyway, hmm? without thinking about it. Hmm? Or those who systematically pursue it. Hmm? Follow? Hmm? So we systematically pursue it, but everybody pursues it. Hmm? That's a fact. So, again, perfect knowledge is that knowledge which informs action by which I can become perfectly happy. This is our idea. And that action is not going to be action in relation to or in pursuit of things that don't endure. Such a simple truth 
it's, it, it doesn't take a child to understand it, but to apply oneself to it, hmm, it takes a wise person. Hmm? Because habits formed in youth are difficult to overcome. We've been habituated for long, long time, since the time without beginning, hmm, fruit chasing. So the opportunity to change is therefore we need a forceful, powerful influence in our life to bring about that change. That is what Sadhu Sangha is about, association with saintly persons. Mm, this is the most important thing to us, to have this kind of sangha. Mm. That will fuel our, our practice. Without that, our practice will... Mm-hmm. In association with that, then we'll be able to focus until we can get enough focus to become a sadhu ourselves, something like that. Mm. So, from sakama, pr- Pursuing good karma, trying to avoid bad karma, to pursuing action without attachment to the results is the basic idea. Sakama, nishkama. This is all on the karma marg. The karma marg means it's still a very human-centered because I may have attachment to doing particular activities. Hmm? that are born out of my identification with my psycho-physiological sense of self. I have a physical aspect and a psychic aspect to my conditioned identity as an American, or as a male, as uh, a Caucasian, as whatever may be the case, woman. So, psycho-physiological makeup. Now, that psycho-physiological makeup, therefore, has propensities. Hmm? And so, I want to do things that are based on that identity. Hmm? And if I'm a little wise, I'll do those things without attachment to the the fruits of them. Hmm? So, the fruits that are acquired then good or bad doesn't matter. I, I'll use what I need to maintain myself, but whether I get good fruits or bad fruits doesn't matter. And I, of course, I want to do activities that pertain to my psychophysiological identity that are in harmony with the sacred texts. Hmm? Right? Not just anything. Hmm? So I harness that psychophysiological self to some extent in that way and also by not pursuing the fruits per se. And so... For example, I take what I what I need. I have to be honest about that. What I really need, and I can look around and see people can live with a lot less than what I have usually, especially in America. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is you know look around here if you're about my age. And I could live with a little less. I think yeah, it's, 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 so forth. So that <laughs> that is disposable income, <laughs> if you will. That should be for professionalism. For, for printing books, for opening centers, and, and uh, feeding young monastics who have nothing, right, and so forth. So, uh, now that is one thing, hmm? but that is the, the karma marg. Hmm? Then this karma marg leads to the gyan marg. Hmm? The gyan marg. Gyan means knowledge. So again, there's some knowledge in acting 
in accordance with your psychophysiological propensities and in conjunction with the scripture without attachment to the fruits. There's some knowledge in that. And when you do that, hmm, then that balance is going to come. So that mean, that balance means you're starting to get some some acquaintance with that which about you is in perfect balance. That's not the psychophysiological self. That will always be somewhat out of balance. I mean, it has to die. The biological self, the psychological self. I mean the real self, the Atma. So you get wisdom. It's always in balance. It's stable. Right? It's not changing. It doesn't go into real transformation. It's Sat, it's Chit, it's Ananda. It exists, it knows, it loves, and so forth. So the more you get in touch with that, the more you're coming in touch with real knowledge. Avidya, ignorance, is based on the attachment to the psychophysiological self. And then the desire to perform activities born of that, and we could try to make those activities better and fruitful in terms of knowledge and so forth. But you're not that psychophysiological uh, self. No matter how pretty it is, no matter how balanced it is, no matter how strong it is, uh, no matter how well you, you tune it, you're not it. Hmm? So when we come to what we are, and, and inherently we're, we're this Atma, unit of consciousness. Hmm? So people will, the general course, for example, given in the Gita, for general people who go through, they'll come through the Karma Marg with desire for things, then stay on the Karma Marg without desire, get that balance. As that balance and the ingress of wisdom comes in, they come to the Gyan Marg, which is a contemplative life. Hmm? Now you don't have to act. Hmm? You, can, you can actually, instead of going without, on the basis of your psychophysiological makeup, you have some acquaintance with the Atma within, so the psychophysiological makeup doesn't have much bearing. Hmm? You need to feed it, maintain it a little bit, but enough to just, and then you can go within, do dhyan, meditation, and try to bring out that which you are, the self. Hmm? Now, bhakti. This is, I've called the karma marg, marg means path. Gyan marg means path of knowledge. Now, bhakti marg. And I said, bhakti is unencumbered by karma and gyan. Hmm? So the bhakti marg is activity, hmm? based on not only what the self is, but in relation to its potential as well to be what it can be in relation to the opportunity of bhakti which descends from above. Hmm? Hmm. So, it's not activity for example, hearing and chanting. This is not activity that is fosters our material sense of self. Hmm? <coughs> this kirtan, okay, you should understand this point. This kirtan is not a form of entertainment. That's not what it is. Hmm? It's not supposed to make you feel like you want a boogie or something like that, you know, and 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 you're like you went to a concert or something like that. It's not, it's not a form of entertainment. Hmm? That's not what it is. Hmm? It, it doesn't necessarily have to be good musically. Hmm? It's a crying from the heart. Hmm? Instruments, for the most part, should be simple. This has a weeping kind of effect. Hmm? 
Sometimes we use violin, weeping effect. Otherwise, cartels, the coal. Hmm? The coal means this this clay drum. They're very simple instruments, hmm? and it's 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 a it's a crying of the heart. Hmm? Be united with Krishna to be be used in Krishna's service. Hmm? Nowadays, you see, it's a it become a form of entertainment, and so this is not a kirtan. Hmm? That's not what it's about. That's hmm? not a professional music musical um, 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 whatever uh, gig show performance, right? Hmm? It's not a body mind thing. It's a soul thing and more. It's the soul's potential to participate in Leela with Krishna, having been given the opportunity through the holy name. Now, can, people can do music and chant and all kinds of things and turn into something else, and there may be some benefit from that, but this is not what we mean by kirtan. Hmm. What we did here, now this is kirtan, hmm. like this tonight. Hmm. So, bhakti hmm, is not about the psychophysiological self. It's about realizing the potential the Atma has to be a person in relation to Krishna. Hmm? As a gopa cowherd, as a gopi, for example. Hmm? That's what the bhakti gives you the opportunity to do, because bhakti is governing those affairs of Krishna. Hmm? That will be called yoga maya. That is called surup shakti, the form of the surup shakti, bhakti. It's what makes Krishna move. Love of Krishna makes Krishna move. Hmm? So, this has then not it, 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 what the bhakti, I want to say, um, deconstructs the psychophysiological makeup and in the context, and, and, and as a byproduct of, hmm, giving rise to a spiritual personality, hmm, an identity arising out of the Atma. Hmm? So this is includes everything that was there in the in the in the karma nishkam karma, hmm? that balance is there, hmm? the ingressive wisdom is there, and something more. Now this bhakti, when we say it should not be covered by karma and gyan, means we don't do bhakti to get karma. You can do something else for that. Hmm? We don't do bhakti to get uh, the goal of knowledge, which would be mukti liberation, to know the Atma, to merge with Brahman, for example, be still, be peaceful. Hmm? We don't do bhakti for that. So bhakti, jnana, karmadi, and abhita, it shouldn't be covered by by jnana or karma. We don't, we will think, I'll do bhakti for bhakti's sake only, and hmm, whatever I need will be supplied. Hmm? Knowledge of the self will come, and more its potential will be able to be realized. We could have knowledge of the self without its full potential being realized. Mm-hmm. That's the Gyanmar. Mm-hmm. So, Sarvabhauma, mm-hmm. he was a very learned uh, person in Jagannath Puri, the guru of the king, and he used to teach young sannyasis, the kind of things we're talking about, so to speak, but not bhakti. He used to teach them Gyan. And 
had, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to Puri, of course, he was converted by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's ecstasy, and he became a great bhakta. Hmm? So later, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu tested the measure of his conversion. Hmm? One morning, he went to Sarvabhuma's house early in the morning, woke him up, hmm? and he brought some prasad from the Jagannath temple. Hmm? It's famous. The deity there has 54 offerings a day. Here we make three offerings to the deity day. That is like 54 kitchens or something like that. He's huge. All these guys cooking all day long, offering to the deity. It's famous for the prasad. So, so Mahaprabhu came early in the morning bringing the Jagannath prasad to Sarvabhama. He said, I have some Jagannath prasad. Get up. Hmm. Now, according to the Karma Marg, hmm, there are all kinds of rules. Hmm what duties you should perform, when. So, so according to the karma mark, he should have gotten up and performed certain duties before honoring any food. Hmm? But he neglected all of that and just took the Mahaprasad, glorified it, and honored the prasad. And Mahaprabhu said, what's with you? you, know, you don't, you're such a rigid follower of all the rules of karma and so forth, and, and you've just neglected them. Hmm? Yeah, and so he, he said, yes, but for Mahaprasad Ma coming from your hand, you know, that's the fulfillment of all rules and, and so forth. So, so we, we should, he, he, he showed that his bhakti, his conversion, was not covered by karma. He didn't think, in other words, well, if I don't perform the Varnashram duties of the, of the karma marg, hmm, but I do bhakti, something will be missing. Hmm. I have to make sure I do the ordinary religious activities, otherwise I'll be subject to some bad karma. He didn't think like this. Oh, care that. Is do bhakti. Hmm? Mahabharata was very pleased. Your bhakti is not covered by karma. Hmm? It's a big thing in India. People have an attachment to the religious duties and so forth, and it's the, very, the general religious standard. The general religious standard is you perform these certain activities that you don't do, and then you get certain fruits from that. Hmm? get certain results from that. So to say, throw that aside, who cares about that? Just do bhakti. Then go, I know, I don't know. The scriptures say this will happen to me, that will. But you study real carefully, they say. You do bhakti, all that is included in bhakti and much more. Hmm? That, that lower idea of religion is covered within a higher idea. Religious orientation is covered within a spiritual, experiential orientation. After all, it has a goal. Hmm? The goal of those... Karma marg is, is that you get the things you want, and then you you think, is there anything more? <laughs> and the scripture says, yeah, you're more, hmm? but you're not the body, you're not the mind. Know yourself, and you go in the spiritual direction. So he saw, and he was very happy. Sarvam is not covered. His bhakti is not covered by karma. Hmm? Then what about gyan? Hmm? Many people do bhakti because if I do bhakti, I'll get knowledge, then I'll get liberated. So I do bhakti to get mukti, liberation. Hmm? But if your bhakti is not covered by gyan, then you do bhakti for bhakti. It doesn't matter if you get liberated or not. Of course you will. That will be a byproduct of it. Hmm? But it's a lesser thing. Hmm? We don't do bhakti for something else. And by the way, if bhakti can give mukti, then bhakti is better than mukti, because mukti can't give bhakti. Hmm? So... Bhakti can give jnana, but jnana cannot give bhakti. Hmm. Bhakti can give you extraordinary knowledge, but knowledge can't give you bhakti. 
You might know all kinds of things. doesn't mean you're going to love, some, love Krishna. You might want Krishna's knowledge. Krishna's liberated. I want to be liberated. Okay. So, on another occasion, Sarvabhama came to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and he said, and Mahaprabhu, of course, arranged this in his heart to test him. Hmm? He said, I've read this verse from Bhagavatam and I don't like this word here. It's a famous verse. Satenu kampam susamikshamana bhujane vatmakritam vipakam hridvagvapubhirdam namaste jiveta yo mukti pade sadayabhak. Verse of, must be Brahma's verse, huh? hmm? in the 14th chapter of Bhagavatam, a very special section of the 10th canto. Well, anyway, the verse says, one who tolerates the, whatever may be due to them, due to the past, their past actions, and goes on with bhakti without interruption, they become heirs to the kingdom of God. Hmm. Very nice verse. A lot of, we could say much about it, but here we're just saying that Sarvabhoma, the last line says, The word mukti means liberation. So this is the ideal of the jnanis. They, they want mukti. You see? Karma means I want to do something. I've identified with the body-mind complex. I feel like I've got something to do. Hmm? It's got propensities, tendencies driven by karma. There's a, there's a force behind it. So I find myself moving accordingly. Gyan is to be stop moving in a sense. Hmm? <coughs> karma is the ignorance of thinking that the fruits of my action will, be, will, will, will fulfill me. Hmm? Scripture tries to make us do that, help us do that in such a way that we'll learn a lesson from that. Hmm? See the folly of that. But you come to knowledge, there's inaction. Because again, if action is in relation to things that don't endure, in pursuit of enduring life, knowledge means to stop pursuing things that don't endure. That doesn't make any sense, right? So by contrast, jnana is quietude, contemplative life. Hmm? Active life, the contemplative life. So one wants to acquire things that don't belong to you, based on a false sense of who you are. Hmm? The other doesn't want to do anything. You understand the difference? In karma, you have a false sense of identity, and it's a needy one, so you're out to get things for it. Hmm? You come to knowledge, you see, oh, I'm not this body-mind complex. I have nothing to do. Hmm? It's not mine. Nothing belongs to me, so I won't do anything. Gyan hmm? is like a child, says, give me, or karma, give me, give me, give me. I want, I want, I want. And Gyan is like, okay, if I can't have it, I won't do anything. You see, you understand what I'm saying? Identification with the body-mind complex makes us want things. Hmm. When we realize nothing belongs to me, I can't really have anything. Only for I'm only a renter wherever I go. I can't own any property here. Hmm. And if I can't own everything, if I come to that knowledge, then I won't do anything. And the doing of things is what's causing me suffering. Because I'm pursuing things that are temporary and they frustrate me. The, from the womb of attachment comes suffering. So I give up attachment to things. That's knowledge. 
One person is exploiting the world, karma, taking things. The other person is also worldly centered, centered, but trying to get away from the world. One wants to take the world, one wants to move away from the world. Renunciation. I'll sit in the forest, I'll do nothing. Hmm? And I won't suffer. Because the pursuit of things that are temporary, the attachment is the cause of suffering. So, One wants to enjoy, one wants to end suffering. Karma means to try to enjoy the world. The gyan marg means to try to stop suffering. These are two sides of the same coin. Hmm? One wants to enjoy the world hmm? and acquire. One wants to stop acquisition. It's the, it's the polar opposite. Hmm? It's the heads and the tails. See, bhakti is different than these two sides. But the best of each of those sides is included within bhakti and something more. So the word mukti, mukti means freedom, liberation, from the pain, from the struggle of acquiring things and all the frustration that comes from it. If you're not driven by that body-mind complex to acquire, you can imagine how peaceful it could be. Hmm? You want to sit peacefully, do nothing. But there is something to do. This is the point of the Bhakti. There is something to do. Hmm? Because it's not about you. It's not about you in terms of your sense of self and the body-mind complex. And it's not about you as an Atma. It's about your source. You have a position in relation to your source. So you have some duty to perform. It's not the duty that you think you, that, that you have to do. And it's not no duty at all. Hmm? You understand? Hmm? But it's action in relation to Bhagavan, in relation to God, in relation to our source. It's love. And that's a kind of movement, and it's knowledge too. You understand? Karma is movement. Jnana is knowledge. Love is a, is, is, a, is, a, is a knowledgeable movement, is a wise movement. When, that, when it's knowledge of the self, the knowledge of God, and love of God. Hmm? But even in an ordinary sense, Love involves movement and it involves a kind of knowing. I know I'm happy. I mean, it's an illusion but <laughs> in this life, but I'm just using it as an example. Hmm? Loving is full of a kind of knowing. I know what I, want, what I need to do and I'm going to do it. Hmm? Hmm? So inside of love is knowledge and action. Hmm? But inside of action there might not necessarily be knowledge hmm? or love. And inside of Knowledge, there's no action, and there may not be any love. If there was, there would be activity. Love has, it has a movement of its own. That's why when we depict Krishna, when a mystic's envision Krishna, there's movement. Because it's a love ideal, not a, it's not just still, nothing. That's the knowledge as to the ignorance of movement in relation to temporary things. Hmm? That's stillness. But this is another kind of movement, bhakti. So, the word that's commonly used by the jnanis on the path of knowledge to describe their ideal is mukti. They want mukti. Hmm? So Sarabhuma found this word in the Bhagavatam. <coughs> and although the meaning in the verse is... Uh, can be construed to be speaking about bhakti, 
just the word mukti. He was previously a muktivad. He was after mukti. After, but after he met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we realized, oh, this is a, a small idea. Hmm? So he said, I, I, I read this verse and I want to, I, I cross out this word mukti. I'm going to put bhakti there. Jiveta yo mukti pade sadaya bhakti. No, jiveta yo bhakti pade sadaya bhakti. So Mahaprabhu was internally very pleased. He said, oh, even the very word mukti, he doesn't like it anymore. So he could see that his bhakti was not covered by jnana either, by a desire for mukti. He wasn't doing bhakti to get things, which would be bhakti covered by karma. He wasn't doing bhakti just to get mukti, to do nothing. He wanted to do bhakti for bhakti's sake, which is love, right? So Mahabharata was very pleased internally. Oh, see, his bhakti, his conversion is complete. It's not covered by jnana or karma. But then he said, still, you can't really change a word in the Bhagavatam like that. And Sarabhama was a great scholar. So anyway, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu explained how to understand the word muktipade in terms of bhakti. Okay, he was somewhat satisfied with that. So this is the extraordinary instance in which Sarvabhoma wanted to change a word in the Bhagavatam. Mahabhava said, no, you can't change a word in the Bhagavatam. Now, you're speaking about the fact that commentators over time, uh, over centuries, really have been um, in touch with different manuscripts of the Bhagavatam that have been copied. These were copied. They weren't printing presses in the old days. Hmm? Vishwanatha, hundreds of years ago, his commentary was written. So they had different commentaries that they looked at, and different manuscripts, and so forth. And in the copying by hand, you know, some words might change to here and there slightly. Hmm? And so they may very well have been looking at different manuscripts, and from that say, you know, this should say this, or it, 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 uh, this has been copied wrong, is what he's saying, in most cases. This has been copied wrong. Hmm? I see this manuscript that I have, it's, he's using this word, but because he's realized bhakta, he understands it should be saying this, and, and so he's um, sharing uh, that insight. That's why we should hear the text from the proper person. In most instances, this is what he's doing, and the, and the, and the, the, the clarification that he's bringing to it is usually minor. Hmm? Whereas what you're talking about with the example of Sarvabhoma is major. Hmm? To change the word from mukti to bhakti would be, you know, would be a major shift, if you will. And it wasn't an issue of whether the real meaning is not coming out here. Hmm? And so therefore a realizer would say, just like I can read, for example, I can read what Prabhupada says in a, in a conversation. Hmm? And I can say, well, what he means to say is this. I know he said this here, but what he means to say is this. And they say, oh, he changed it. Uh, but I know what he wants to say here. So I'm going to tell you what it is. You can believe me or not. <laughs> I don't really care, but this is what he's one he wants to say here. And I'll take that liberty. Hmm? And a person in my position of service has to have not only that liberty, but the realization to be able to exercise that liberty. And the evidence that they do will be that, that he or she could do so in such a way as to gather the faith of others mm. um, and, and carry on the tradition. Mm. So, 
Uh, same with Sridhar Maharaj and so forth. We have books of the transcript. They're, they're tapes. They're these literalists who want not to change any word and so on. Somebody and I. I know Prabhupada, I know what the philosophy is. I know Prabhupada, for example, in relation to the whole Sampradaya, hmm? the whole the, the commentaries of the previous Acharyas and so on and so forth. Hmm? So I know, he wants to say this. Hmm? We, if I was the editor and for a conversation and I, until he wanted to turn it into a written word, you take some liberty. And that person has to have some realization of what's being said. Or he or she has to do so in conjunction with somebody who doesn't say it. And then he goes, no, 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 this is not right. Hmm. You've taken liberty here, but you've changed the meaning. Hmm. Right? So this, this, is the, this is the liberty of the, of the, of the, of the, of the, of the guru, hmm? the sadhu, hmm? and that requires some realization. So you can't have someone be a sadhu and not let them take the liberties that are relative to the uh, position. Mm-hmm. and essential mm-hmm. to adjust according to the teachings, according to the time and the circumstance. Know the difference between details and principles. Details can be changed because the purpose of the details is to deliver the principle. And there might be certain details that would be applicable in certain time and circumstance that at other time and circumstance would not be applicable. And we give new details and we deliver the principle. But people, if people aren't acquainted with the principle. They confuse the details for them and this becomes a jungle then of confusion and misconception that is very thick, just like you're out doing some clearing today. Well, imagine that, about ten times, thousand times thicker. That's how bad it can get. And But that's to be expected. As something like Gaudiya Vaishnavism comes from east to the west and spreads, then along with it, misconception of it will spread widely. That's understandable. That's why you need someone who can cut and slash and say, you know, clear the clear the forest so that you can see through, hmm? find your way. Otherwise, it's a jungle of misconception. I say it's a jungle because in, in, in something like quicksand, because they move, and the further you move, the more, move you, more you go down. It's very confusing because it's citing the words, citing the verse, citing the scripture. Hmm? Most people don't know. They're blowing in the wind. I think you said that. Be that huh? Somebody has to come in and say, that's wrong, this is right, and if you don't believe me, go somewhere else, okay? Those who do, come here and you go forward like this. That's what that's what needs to be done. Hmm? So that's the kind of thing that Bishop Chakravarti Thakur is doing. When Mahaprabhu says you can't change the Bhagavatam, he means you can't change the meaning of the Bhagavatam. Hmm? But yes, over centuries, recording it, and nowadays less so, I suppose, but printing it um, still there are some errors may come in the printing. Hmm? That's possible, right? Um, and uh, when, with editing sometimes, yeah, well, that would be of commentaries, not of the text itself. But it's true that over centuries, and this is an argument, because uh, in support of the tradition, which says, well, legendary Vyas, Samas, he collected all this, and then Vyas, he distributed it by giving it a different sages who would write down the text, and he collected this whole body of wisdom, and shared it. Then the academic community says, well, it looks like this was written at this time, and, you know, this was written at this time, this was written at this time. So it couldn't have all been written at another time, at an earlier time, by, by one person or one group of people, and so forth. But one of the arguments against that, for whatever it's worth, is, well, the texts are copied, and they're going to be copied in the Sanskrit of the time. So the language changes. 
Just like English now, it changes. Hmm? How are you doing? You know, that's how it, you know, it's, it's become internet English, for example. You know, what do they call it? Smartphone English. That's different than you know the Queen's English, or even Old English or American English. Instead of Y O U, it's U. Instead of A R E, it's it's an R, and become more simple and become dumber and dumber. <laughs> less and less symbols to express ourselves. Less we can express ourselves. So language changes over time. And so, similar with the Sanskrit language, there are changes in, in like now you can read Old English and you know you can't get who thou shalt thou whatever you know it's hard to figure out right. Or you take the Bengali. If you go and read the the, the Sadhu Bhasha, Sadhu Bhasha Bhasha means language. Sadhu Bhasha is a form of Bengali in which about ten percent is Sanskrit. Hmm? So, for example, Chaitanya Charitamrita is it all written in Sadhu Bhasha? Hmm? If you go and speak sadhu bhasha to a Bengali today, they won't know what you're talking about. Hmm? It's the Chaitanya Charitamrita in their language, but it was written 500 years ago in sadhu bhasha. They can't even make it out. Hmm? So, language changes, the point is, over time. So, similarly with the Sanskrit language, and therefore because the books are being copied down in different periods hmm, with the new form of the language, then there are going to be changes for those reasons. And for, therefore, we are instructed again and again and again, it's emphasized that we should hear these books from a teacher, hmm? from someone who knows them. Shabde parecha nishnatam brahmani upashamashrayam. Shabde parecha nishnatam. Shabde pare means, this is a description of the teacher, the guru. Shabde pare, he or she Shabde has heard, means he has, has bathed in the, in the, in the teaching, the, the text, heard them from his guru, hmm? understood them. Shabde pare, chinishnatam. What is the other verse? Tad bhyanartam sa guru me vabhikat chet samat pani shrotriyam brahmanishtam. Shrotriyam brahmanishtam. The guru must be shrotriyam. Have heard from his guru so very well, it means understood. Now, as a result, become situated in the spiritual platform and then can speak and reiterate in a way that would be insightful according to the time and the place and the circumstance. And he can say, he may have, my guru may have said that, but this is what he means, and we're doing it like this. That's, that would mean the guru does that. They say now people think, a lot of people think, well, the guru will be, for example, if he says whatever the previous guru said, let's say, let's say Prabhupada, if he says whatever Prabhupada said or less, he's okay. If he says more, he's suspect. No, he should say more. You mm. should say more. That's a qualification. Not to say less. Or just to repeat like a parrot. Meaning, hmm? let's just you memorize something, repeat like a parrot. What does it mean? Hmm? You have people like that in the internet discussion, they just quote something. From Prabhupada, like this long. Can you put something in your own words? What is that supposed to mean to you? What do you think that means? Instead of that, they just, <laughs> another one, you know. <laughs> do you have anything? Do you have a voice in there? You're supposed to become, you know, a spiritual person yourself. That's, a, that's the idea. <laughs> and of course, if you don't have anything to say, you should be listening. 
Hmm? You can learn. Right? So, this is part of the jungle that's out there at the moment right now. So we are a little acquainted with the international community of Gaudiya confusion, so to speak. Hmm. I mean, it, it speaks very loudly. And, and, and of course, Krishna makes it very clear. People wonder, what's the solution? There's so much misconfusion. What's the solution? Krishna is very simply, evam parampara praptam imam The solution is another guru. You need one left, you need another one. <laughs> That's the system. One, parampara means one after another, after another. Hmm? Some of them want to keep, for example, Prabhupada in the four, but he's a purvacharya now. Purvacharya means he's a previous acharya. We'd let him be what he is. He's a previous acharya. You want him to be the current acharya, then he can't because he's not here to make time and place circumstance calls hmm? and say, no, this is what I meant. You got it wrong. You can't, you can't do that. Hmm? So you need, you need a guru who has a voice and this is the solution. Hmm? But the very solution to the problem, they think, is the problem. No. He'll say it different from Prabhupada. Yeah, he'll say it a little bit different, because it's a different time, a different circumstance. That's a fact. And look at how different Prabhupada spoke from Bhaktisiddhanta. How different Bhaktisiddhanta spoke and wrote from Bhaktivinoda. So, does that help? Yeah. Yeah. What else? Yes. Um, in Chaitanya Bhagavad, there's Vaishnavas. There's, you know, they, I, I don't know exactly what Vrindavan is referring to. Maybe that's like, there's devotees in Navadvip, you know, and yeah. they're contrasted with the general population which is engaged in the karma and, yeah, whatever they're doing. Worldliness, yeah. Uh, worldliness. Yeah, worldliness. So, Vrindavan Das describes that the Vaishnavas are, they kind of look at the, the worldly people and they're lamenting or it seems like they're in a conflict with them in a certain way that the worldly people criticize the Vaishnavas and say, you know, you're, you're not so good. But the, you know, you guys are poor and you don't, uh, you know, you're disturbing us with your kirtan, etc., etc. <coughs> so, but then Vrindavan does says in the Vaishnava, they feel compassion for the worldly people. So Therefore they kick on their head with shoes, right? Yeah. <laughs> we, we talked about that last night. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking about that, like, you know, devotees feeling compassion. I was thinking, like, well, karmis, I mean, uh, in, a kar- in a karma mark, I mean, how do you have compassion in karma mark? In Ganmark, I mean, how do you have compassion in Ganmark? I mean, it seems like the only people who really have compassion are devotees, or, or people in bhakti or that seems like they have compassion. I don't know how you would have compassion up here on the Gyanmark. What is compassion on the Gyanmark, or what is compassion on the Parmamark? But, um, mm-hmm. in any case, but then, so, but there seems to be, even amongst devotees, you know, different levels of, Compassion. Sometimes the compassion kind of looks like uh, we're going to save you, kind of born again, kind of Christian type of compassion. I don't know if that's really compassion. That seems like kind of 
false kind of compassion. But then there's like a higher level where a devotee actually has compassion. And then there are other devotees, say for instance, like Gorakishwar does Prabhuji, who said, you know, don't preach. Mm-hmm. So, but we wouldn't maybe say that he's not compassionate at the same time. He gave us a Bhaktisiddha, so we talked about it. So could you explain that, like, what is the the false compassion? What is the real compassion? You know, where do they? Where did this? Where does that come from? Where is that manifesting? You know, the false compassion, the real compassion that devotees have, or is there any real compassion in Gyanmar? When karma mark there's compassion. There's, uh, I would say, the shadow of the substance of compassion. For in, for example, philanthropic and altruistic work. So the higher end in the karma marg, where it starts to meet with the gyan marg, hmm? compassion manifests in altruism, uh, philanthropic activities, sacrificing yourself, in a sense, your time, energy for the sake of others, and so forth. It's, uh, I call it the shadow, if you will, of the substance, because you're, you're, you're kind of like use Prabhupada's language, saving the dress of a drowning man. So it's the Atma that needs to be freed from its identification with the body-mind complex, and you're catering to the body-mind complex, which certainly in some cases will be in in need. Hmm? Um, But it doesn't go to the core of the problem. In other words, hunger, disease, um, and so forth are symptoms they are not the disease. So you can treat the symptoms out of compassion, but if you don't know the disease, if, if you know, let's say you you, you 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 hand me your child, your daughter, Audaria, I'm holding on to her. She's a little infant. And so she starts uh, crying. So I have compassion for her, so I want so to stop her from crying, so I, I feed her something. But because I don't have knowledge of the cause of her suffering, and she's suffering because she has gas in her stomach, I'm feeding her, it's making it worse. I had a good intention, but I'm making a mess out of things without knowledge. So so there's some shadow of, of, of com- real compassion, if you will. Hmm? Philanthropy and altruistic activities, uh, you, know, you try to help other people, materially speaking, and so forth, but it doesn't really solve the problem. It tenders to the symptoms, but not the disease. Hmm? If we're all sitting in a room, and we, and let's say Don passes around the hat and says, look, I'm from Philly, and there's a lot of hungry people there, you know. I'd like to collect at least a dollar from everybody here. You know? So you pass the hat around, everybody gives a dollar. Comes to Shamsaki, she says, I'm not giving. What? You bad person. Why are you not? You're not going to help the hungry people? She says, no, I've been to Philly, and it's not the city of brotherly love, to be honest with you. But uh, I have an idea, you know. We're going to get a new governor there, and it's going to change the political system, and then that's going to feed more of the hungry people, because we're going to have, this guy's got a program for the homeless people, and we're going to elect him. So I'm going to give all my money to a political campaign to change the problem and solve the problem on a deeper level, rather than just hand out food. Hmm? So everybody goes, wow, that's profound. Let's pass the hat around then. Everybody give to elect so-and-so. And they come to me, I say, I'm not giving. Whoa, bad, bad. Why are you not giving? 
Because I think, because I say, well, the problem is not going to be solved by political adjustment. Hmm? Because it doesn't matter how much food you give people, hunger will never stop. Hmm? <laughs> you never stop hunger by feeding people. That'll never stop. Hmm? Hunger is a symptom of another disease that got me into this body in the first place and identification with hunger pangs. I want to stop that. Hmm? So I want to tender to that. This is, this, this is a disease. Then everybody's supposed to put money in my hat, you understand, for that cause, hmm. if they can catch it, something like that. So there's compassion here, shadows of it on different levels. Hmm. But compassion for the plight of the soul requires knowledge of the soul. And, it, and in, in a bhakti, of course, even mukti, we would be compassionate for someone who's getting mukti because they're missing out on bhakti, hmm. which they have the potential for. So the full face of compassion can be shown by the bhakta. Now, within the context of devotees, you're asking, some of them seem to have real compassion, some don't seem to have compassion, some seem to, but wonder if they do. It depends. I mean, they're devotees, so they have the right orientation, hmm? if they've heard properly. Still, they're conditioned by their body-mind complex, to some extent, and affected by it at times, and they're, they may be on a stage where their, their practice is not steady. Hmm? So, be affected by their conditioning, hmm? more so than by their practice, then they may be lacking in the real um, spirit of compassion and be unable to act um, in a way that constitutes compassionate action, which sometimes will show itself in a way that doesn't look necessarily to the ordinary eye like compassion. Hmm? So, not everybody can instruct everybody amongst Vaishnavas. Some are junior and they should listen. Those who are senior, they, then, then they can, they can uh, deal with the situation in, with, with a corrective in mind and the power to speak in such a way that those who are a little bit teachable hmm, will be corrected. So it's not for everybody to correct everybody, necessarily. Hmm? Um, and when the junior tries to be, you know, correcting, sometimes then it, it doesn't come off in the same way. It doesn't have the same effect. Doesn't have the same result. Hmm? But then it's say, you know, that's you know, where do you draw the line there, and so forth, and, and what and and. It may be different for different people, um, and different and persons have been involved for different amounts of time, and so forth. Like you know, let's just take for example, Prabhupada's mission. Certain people are more identified with it than others. Certain people, like for example, in this room, were disciples of Prabhupada for many, many years since the early 70s or late 60s, and so forth. Gave their life to build Iskam before you were born, for example, and it's their guru. And then they see it being distorted, and so it affects them. I realize it affects everybody, but it, it may affect them more. They may be a little more preoccupied with it. This, this is, you know, our guru's mission. Uh, it's like if I was to leave, then somebody just started misrepresenting me and said, "Oh, actually, Swami wanted it like this." And you know, otherwise, uh, it would be pretty um, um, hard to di just divorce yourself from. It. You want to bring about some. Um, change and so forth, and uh, and uh, so you may be active in, in that way. Um, 
and um, it may be appropriately so, whereas it may not be for the same same sense for a junior person, or they may not have this burning of a you know concern for it. It's just I'm just being practical about the uh, scene on the ground, so to speak, if you will. But so you know, it's, you you want to judge by the results, I suppose. And um, some people feel if I get involved and one person comes out of it, lands on their feet, it's worth it, even if other people get upset and I can't change all of them. Someone else may have the power to change more people um, and be more effective. But it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone has to be on that level and they may affect some change. And I see that I can, I can, I can speak or write in a way that can, can change more people. Then let's say, like, Dual can. He likes to write Maharaj, even Maharaj, I think. But they can also affect some people <laughs> that's worth, worth their speaking about, and I think that, that that's their objective. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in the course of doing that, some other people that, someone like myself, might be able to wrestle in or something that, that slipped through the cracks of their efforts and so forth. Hmm? Um, still, somebody landed on on, the, on their feet, so to speak, and it, it's, it's worth the effort. So you, uh, it's hard to make a. I don't want to make a statement and go in and evaluate and say, "Yeah, Swami can do these things; nobody else can do." And you know, he's the only one who had real compassion. You know, and everybody has some knowledge, and and, and 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 you know, if they have real concern, and that's their motive, then. It's hard to detect a person's motive, so kind of look for the results. Does that help? Yeah, and for the residents of not only for the Vaishnavas, because they're described in the Chaitanya Bhagavad Gita, are they? Those are like the eternal associates of Krishna, come Leela, and there they are encountering the worldly people. but they feel compassion for them. And, uh, but it's, it's almost like, well, why would they or something? You know, I, I don't know. Like, I, do, I don't see, like, sometimes I think about it and think, well, why would they? They're with Krishna. Because they're in the Audarya Leela. Hmm? The Madhurya Leela, that's Krishna Leela. Audarya Leela, that's Gaur Leela. And Audarya Leela has compassion, that's its character. And Krishna is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the mood of Radha, and Radha is the compassionate nature of Krishna. So, he's Mahavadanaya, avatar, the most magnanimous. So they're associated with him in that leela. So naturally, it's a compassionate leela, hmm? giving bhakti to people, helping them. Hmm? What else? Another question. Okay, so we'll stop there, and tomorrow we're going to leave. Who's going tomorrow to um, Krishna Road Temple? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You're going, but you're going Sunday. Seven, eight. I'm going. Back to us at nine. And you have a car, right? I thought we got plenty of cars, right? And you're going from there back to Philadelphia. Okay.
So we'll be leaving at what time? Ten? Nine? Ten o'clock. Okay, until the morning. Shri Sivarada Madhava Ki.